It's, it's almost impossible to understand the impact that Jesus' teaching has had on our culture. His teaching, even in an increasing secular society that we live in today, still has an impact upon our righteousness and our sense of righteousness. Ran into this a few months ago and uh, when Andy and I were in, in Vietnam visiting one of the works that we have supported there for years. Uh, we have a, a, a ministry that we've supported there as a church and you can't send you know, missionaries into Vietnam because it's a communist country. But they allow people to come into the country and do businesses or do training or do things that will enhance their country in some ways. And so our, our people who are Christ followers go in to do that and try to influence people with the gospel. The, the government there is not stupid. They know exactly why they're there. They know what they're doing. But because they're offering good things and not causing trouble and problems, they allow them to come in and to do that. And so one of the things that we have there is one of our groups runs a, a coffee shop there. And uh, the coffee shop does more than sell coffee. They have English chat rooms. Because one of the ways that uh, a person in Vietnam can become, uh, can, can rise through the, uh, through the economic system there and to become more valuable in their job is to know English. If they know English, they're more valuable. They get paid better. And so they are striving to learn English, and they want to learn how to have conversational English. And so they, they set these things up, and we, we take, we've taken teams in. We're going to take another team in maybe, uh, it looks like, next year. If you'd like to go, we'd love to uh, have you talk to us about that. You have to be somebody who likes to talk because you get shoved into these chat rooms, and you talk with people. And they're just wanting to share, uh, share and, and learn how to talk uh, in, in ways and communicate clearly in English. And so that you're told when you go into the chat room, listen, we don't go in there and start preaching. You go in there and have conversations. And you let the door naturally open to conversations about God. And I found that every time that I went into the room, that happened pretty easily and very quickly that the conversation came around to issues of faith. It was in this kind of a setting, uh, as, as, we were, as we were in this, in one of the conversations, that we began to talk about our families. And I've shared this, uh, I think I shared this when I first got home. As I explained about my family, the, the, the group, probably about 20 college students in this room, became very curious about my family, especially when I I told them I have six children. They wanted me to define that a little bit more. That seemed like a lot of children. And uh, I told them that we have four biological children and that we have two children uh, that God brought into our lives, in essence, that we adopted. And the question immediately came from them. Uh, you br I remember the young man looking at me saying, kind of confused, you mean you brought two children into your home that are not your children? And I said, yes. And, and his statement was, why would you do that? And, and I told them, well, they needed a place, and God had opened the door and brought them into our lives, and we felt like God was connecting us with them. And, and I, I could see in the room as they looked around bewildered over that, over that statement, 
And, and they, they asked me a few more questions. And finally I said to them in the room, I said, what would you have done in my circumstances? And the young man looked at me and he said, I would have taken them to the orphanage and dropped them off at the orphanage. Now it was my turn to be bewildered. And I said, why would you do that? And he said, because we couldn't love them like we love our own children. There would be jealousy when they saw what we did to our children and did for our children and what we wouldn't do for them. And this would cause turmoil and arguments in our home, and it would be best for them just to go to the orphanage. We were right in the middle of a cultural disconnect between a Buddhist Shintoist faith and a Christian's faith. A, a Buddhist faith that's trying to do whatever it can in many ways in their sacrifice to appease gods and be on the right side of gods, and a Christian faith that begins with a heart change, that begins with a transformation of a spirit of man because of the power of God moving upon that life. When you want to see this, these cultural differences and how much uh, these things happen, you begin to go into those settings. I, I remember telling them in that moment, I said, look, if you looked at it, they, they said, your children, can't, they can't see each other the same. I said, if you if you'd brought any of my four biological children into the room and told them today that these other two girls are not their sisters, you would have a fight on your hands because God has knitted that together inside of their hearts. And again, they looked at each other confused, and we were able to talk to them about how we get adopted into the family of God as sons and daughters of God because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the Spirit of God moving among us and that we are all adopted into his family, and he treats us all as his sons and daughters, and he loves all of us. And when that happens, our hearts get changed, and we see other people differently because of it. I would dare to say that most of the people in the Western world would at least see that as a noble stand. Why? Because somehow we're better? No, because we have been influenced by the teachings of Jesus. Even when we, rec even when we reject Jesus, the teachings of Jesus have penetrated through our culture in so many ways. When Jesus was speaking near the Sea of Galilee, the two main cultural influences that were impacting that crowd of people was that of the Jewish leaders and the Jewish teachers who saw everyone that was not a Jew as a dog and the Roman influence. Neither one of these cultural influences had, had found, great, had found a, a, a great value in humility or mercy. They were definitely not at the top of their list of character traits. Remember the Jewish leader that Jesus talked about, the one who stood at one end of the altar and prayed the prayer and looked down the altar at the man who was not a spiritual leader, and his whole spirit was, thank, thank you, God, that I'm not like him. I'm better than that guy. There's no humility in that heart. That's a heart of selfish pride. And that was the heart. Uh, that, was, that impacted the culture 
of that day. In Roman society, I want you to think about this. In Roman society, the husband in the home had the legal right after the birth of a child to either keep the child or put the child to death. He could stand there in that moment after the child was born and give a thumbs up, which means the child lives, or give a thumbs down, and the child would immediately be drowned. Now, that's terrible, isn't it? We can't imagine, and I hope our society never moves to the point where we can imagine it, but I'll tell you, you know, late-term abortions are pretty close. That same man had the right, this goes further, he had the right with a slave. If the slave didn't please him, he could put him to death on his sole judgment of his displeasure with the slave, and he would never be tried, he would never be condemned. It was his right to do with the slave whatever he wanted to do. Now let's go a step further. That same man in that household had the same right to look at his wife and say, she displeases me. And he could put her to death. That's the culture they were in. That's the nature of the world that was all around them. It has been the teachings of Christ that have changed these things, that have brought the value of all mankind to a high point. But as you travel around the world, we can see the difference in the places of, this, of society and the places of the world where Christian influence has come into society and has impacted the beliefs of people in our, in our world. And you can go to places in the world where Christian teaching has not had that impact. And we read about honor killings. We read about Christian martyrs. We read about people's lives who are not cared for in their time of need because nobody has mercy on them. And today as we live in the Western world, even as we wander farther and farther from, the, from Jesus as the truth, as we do that, we find our society struggling more and more with this sense of humility and the value of humility. We see it in our sports teams and we see it so many places a day where humility is not valued but pride is celebrated. And we see the lack of mercy reaching into our society more and more, and, it become, and the world becomes more and more selfish And what is good for the, the person instead of what is merciful for the other. The true Christ followers, true Christ followers, have made a great impact in this world in this call and this cry to bring mercy into the world. The question for the day, though, is about us individually. How mercy-prone is your heart? This is a heart check Sunday. How mercy-prone are you? Now, mercy is not simply forgiving someone of a sin against us 
and not making them pay for it. It's not just simply taking somebody who's guilty and has harmed us in some way or insulted us in some way and say, I'm going to give mercy to them and forgive them. Listen to what mercy, what, how much Jesus talks about mercy. In Matthew chapter 9, it said this, As Jesus passed from, from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. This is one of a number of stories where people came to Jesus asking for mercy. It wasn't mercy for the forgiveness of sin. It was mercy toward their circumstances. These two blind men wanted Jesus to have mercy on them and to heal them of their blind eyes. And Jesus in mercy did that very thing. In another story, a, a woman comes whose daughter is demon-possessed, and she cries out to Jesus once again, have mercy on us. And Jesus, in the power that he had, stepped into that circumstance and had mercy and delivered them, delivered her from that demon. Another man comes to Jesus whose son is, 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 is caught in epilepsy, having epileptic seizures. And again, he comes with the same words, have mercy on us. And Jesus heals this young man. The mercy referred to here is not simply that of not dealing harshly or punishing someone to whom it may be justly due, to somebody who has sinned even though that is certainly merciful, like we receive mercy from God when we come to him and ask him to forgive us of our sin. The mercy here goes past the point of reacting to a harm in a merciful way. The mercy Jesus is promoting comes from righteousness, from doing the right thing, from a desire to do the right thing. It spreads right out of what we've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount. It is a mercy to those we, actually, we may actually have no connection with, but they are in need, and we have some means to lighten their load. It's a mercy of seeing somebody in a need, seeing somebody trapped in something, and a willingness to use what we have in helping them. This is the measure of the merciful heart. This is the place of heart check. When I see others in need, when I hear about others' needs, whether I know them or I don't know them, is there anything in me, is there anything about me that rises up and says, as much as you can have mercy, have mercy. As much as you can lift them up, lift them up. As much as you can do for them, do for them. Listen to what, the, what Jesus says in Luke 6.36. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. The Father's mercy certainly extends to our sins against Him and against His creation. 
That is what we see when we see him and we realize that we are poor in spirit and we mourn before him and he moves into our life through the work of his son Jesus and forgives us of our sin. But the Father's mercy extends past our sins as he meets our every need. He is the soul satisfier of the soul. His mercy extends to every area of our lives. It extends out into all the things that we need and all the things that we cry out for to the very hurts that you bring into this place today, the very worries that you have in life today. The Father's mercy extends to every one of those things. He wants to heal those wounds and those hurts. He wants to move in your spirit. He wants to give you hope in situations that seem hopeless. He wants you to know he's going to walk you through anything you're going through. His mercy extends to every area of our life and to every need. And his call to us, the call of his son is this, be merciful even as your heavenly Father is merciful. Now, I'm going to tell you, that kind of a heartbeat, that kind of a feeling, a merciful heart is not teachable. You're not going to learn it today. I'm not, I'm not going to say some key thing, oh, that's right, I should, I should be that way from now on. No, the, the merciful, mercy is a heart condition. It's a heart transformation. It's not something that I learn. It's something I aspire to. It's something that I see in the Father and how he reacts to me. And we say, and as we see that, Father, help me be like you. God, my heart isn't merciful like that. I, I don't want to forgive those who sin against me. And I'm kind of selfish in my own desires about those who are hurting around me many times. I can walk right past them and not think a thing about it. God, I recognize my heart needs to be changed. I recognize that you've done so much for me. And I'm crying out for you to heal me. It's not something we learn. It's something we aspire to and we ask God to do a work in our life. Last week we talked about the fact that a tree, that you didn't just go out someday and find a big tree in your backyard. No, no, it starts with the seed and it starts with the roots and it begins to grow. But I want to tell you, when you begin to talk about the things we're going to talk about over these next few weeks, we're now talking about the fruit that grows on the tree that has grown from a sense of, of a poor spirit before God, of a meek spirit before God, of a mourning spirit before God, of a hunger and thirst for righteousness which grows and comes up and produces a fruit inside of us. As a desire for righteousness is in our lives, mercy finds fertile soil to grow in in our hearts and it becomes this natural reaction. When our heart catches a glimpse of the mercy of God given to us, not only to our sin, but to our daily lives, meeting every need, when we see our dependence upon him for breath itself, for life itself, 
and how freely he gives these things to us. Mercy to others and the capacity that we have becomes a natural desire for us. So again, what's your mercy level? When you see a person in need, what's your mercy level? When we miss the daily mercy of God to us, then daily mercy towards others in us is stillborn. We walk right past it. We can be cruel or we can simply ignore because mercy will not grow in hard soil. So what is your mercy level? What does it take for an act of mercy for you to hear a need, to see a need, and for some action that you can do to absolutely be required of your soul? What do you mean required, Pastor? I mean, you can't sleep that night because you're worried about it. You, you, can't, you can't go on with your day because you, you know that need's out there and you've done nothing and you could do something. At what level in our spirits, when we measure our hearts, do we look and say, I can pass by the needs of the world and not do anything, or I am doing everything I know to do, everything that God's given me the capability to do? to move in mercy, and to minister to people's lives. See, the seed of mercy is planted in us when the gift of God's daily mercy is realized in us. When we realize what all God has done for us and is doing for us every day and is supplying for us every day, when we become a people who lean upon Him, recognizing our dependency upon Him, it becomes free for us to let mercy flow through us to others who are in need around us because we are blessed to be a say it again we are blessed to be a blessing this is why God pours into us he pours into us and his love for us and gives us abundantly so that we can share of his abundance you can't learn this but we can be convicted by the fact that it's not in us. And we can begin to cry out to God for help. We can recognize that greed and selfishness and hard-heartedness are not the fruit of the Spirit of God. We can come face-to-face -face with the fact that this is us not seeing God for who He is and not seeing us ourselves as his servants and we can come face to face and ask God God I recognize that there are times when seeing somebody else's need I'm judgmental I'm harsh I can dismiss it I don't even take a moment to breathe up a prayer for them let alone extend any other mercy to them and frankly times sometimes for instance sometimes all we can do is breathe up a prayer for them. That, and that, that's not a weak thing. That's a you may not, not, not be in any position to do anything. But when your heart's so hard that you don't even stop to do that, you're never going to extend to the other places where God would use you to be merciful to others. Righteousness demands that we not only forgive those who trespass against us, but that we offer care to those in need who are around us. From time to time over the years, 
uh, as we've walked through the things at, at the academy and there's a charge to come to the academy and we've had families come in from time to time or a, a single mom, a single dad, a family going through health crisis and uh, they've come in and uh, have not been able to pay. We wanted their child in, in Christian education but not been able to pay the fare that, that's required. And so many, many times in, in those meetings, we come to a decision. Our stewardship team comes to a decision. We'll come to a decision as pastors that this family is really in need. They, they, Christian education is what they would really be beneficial to them. And we offer some special deal to let them be able to come and put their child and have Christian education. And over the years, from time to time, somebody will hear about that or find out about that, and somebody will say to me, um, <clears throat> wow, Pastor, that, that could really be bad news if that got out to everybody. I said, well, how would that be bad news? Well, you know, if all the people who are paying the full fare heard that you're actually letting other kids come in for far less than the full fare, aren't they going to be, aren't they going to feel like they've been mistreated in some way? And my response to him and my feeling is always the same. I, I, I hope that if anybody who can afford to pay the full fare hears that somebody else who can't do that is getting our mercy, I hope that they stand in the mirror and go, thank God I don't need that. Thank God he supplied enough for me that I can help make this, make this happen. And thank God I go to a place that extends mercy to people who needs some mercy. Don't you think that's the way we should look at the world? We need to be a place that where we don't need the mercy, where we're thankful that God's in his mercy has already provided for us. But in other places where we need the mercy of mankind, we should be, we should be a place where we're offering that to others and when we receive it, we're grateful to them and grateful to God that he has moved in, in their lives and given others the ability to be used of him. My mercy level is measured in the way my heart reacts towards the needs of people around me. And it's real simple. What do I do about it? What do I do about it? I may not be able to do everything. I, 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 I may not be able to do many things. But I can't, can I do something? I can pray. I can do that. I, I, I can be kind. I can do that. Maybe I have some gift or some talent or some ability or some skill that I can go and help them with something and lighten their load and be a blessing to them. But what I don't want to do is ignore them. As I don't want the Father to ignore my needs, I don't want to ignore their needs. I may not be able to do everything to meet all the need. God, he'll supply the rest of it, but he's using me to supply a part of it. And that may be mowing somebody's yard. That may be helping somebody in need get their car fixed. That may be, that, that may be going over and help clean a house or take a meal to somebody. Or it may be something of greater measure than any of that in the eyes of the world. But it's, you know what it is? 
It's equal obedience, not equal sacrifice. When we are equally obedient to use what God has given us to be merciful to others, God picks up the rest of it. God's responsible for the rest of it. I'm just being obedient to God and being merciful as the Father is in the ability that I have. I am so grateful that God in his ability ministers to me in in merciful ways. Aren't you? And he wants us to do the same. I can take care of some things. I can give something. I can do something. I can go somewhere and help with something. I can let God write some need on my heart and invest myself in it in some special way. And I cannot allow myself to be crushed by the weight of all the burdens because all the burdens belong to him. But mercy belongs to me. It's what God plants inside of our heart. The Christian will offer mercy not as a, du- as a duty, but as a desire of their heart. Mercy is a sign of diminishing selfishness. And just because, friends, get this, just because I offer mercy to one doesn't mean selfishness is gone for me. It's just a sign of diminishing selfishness. When we realize the mercy we are offered, we turn in mercy where we can. And this is a key to being built to last. Blessed, are the ha- blessed, happy, are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, don't mistake that. Don't, don't make a mistake with that. Don't think that if you begin to offer mercy to people, uh, other people will offer mercy to you. It's not what this is saying. Mankind does not give mercy very easily. Uh, mankind does not give mercy to us because we give mercy to others. So don't expect the world to give mercy, and sadly, sometimes we can't even expect other Christians to give us mercy. We have a greater promise than that. The merciful will receive mercy, and you know who they're going to receive it from? They're going to receive it from God. God is going to move in his way in our lives for our greatest need for our sin to be healed and taken care of. He's done that by sending his son to offer mercy to all mankind, to anyone who will receive him, he'll be forgiven. But he also offers mercy on the daily basis, not just in forgiveness, but in the places where we are poor and in need. Aren't you grateful for the mercy of God? Now, will you look in your heart and ask yourself, God, is there some place where my heart is cold and hard where you'd have me be merciful to somebody? Where you'd have me be friendly to somebody that everybody else is unkind to? Well, you'd have me invite someone into my life that nobody else is inviting into theirs? That, that there's a need around where everybody else is making fun of somebody and I'm not going to be a part of that anymore. I'm going to be merciful from now on. Or someplace where I have a skill and I have a talent and I have an ability where I can move and help somebody in great need? God, let my heart be merciful. As your heart is merciful.
Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. We just take a moment and ask the Lord, say, Lord, in my life today, is there some place in my life where I'm missing the opportunity to be merciful to somebody else? Prayer teams, if you would, while everyone else is still praying, would you just step out and come down to the front right now and line up here across the front of the building? Father, right now, I just pray you wouldn't let us escape this moment. Father, the enemy fills us with excuses. You know, we read about people around the world with some need, and we think, well, I can't meet that need. The Lord, help us to meet what we can. We excuse so many things away, Father. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that today you just strip us of our excuses. Help us, Lord, just to receive the fullness of who you are into our lives and to be merciful to others. So today, Lord, I just pray, cross this room. Just plant in, 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 in all of us, Lord, some way to be merciful. Let us grow in. The ones who are extremely merciful already, just let them see ways they can grow in that. And others, Father, that maybe mercy hasn't been on the top of our list. Let us get there and begin to move at that direction today. Heal us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me encourage you. Let us go seeking a heart of mercy. Amen? Amen. God bless you. I love you.